I can tell you who won the minute to win it games. I don't know. We had a bunch of people here eating and playing and hanging out and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know how many teams there were, but there were a bunch. And, and so this morning, uh, drum roll right here, right? Drum roll. The uh, winner of the minute to win it games was Dwayne Stills group. I don't think he's here this morning, but Dwayne Stills group. So Dwayne Still, uh, in his group, because he didn't know what his name was, Bruce Barlow, Clay Van Sant, right? Uh, I told you I was going to talk about you. Graham King, Cameron Wood, and Ethan Heron, right? I know Cameron's over there and Clay's like over here. I saw him. There he is right there in the back, right? Uh, so yeah, so exciting stuff. And here's the, but here's the really, really cool thing about this. The only two guys, like, listen, I led another group, and you all know that I cheated supposedly, right? I was following the instructions, right? Uh, but all of those guys, except for Bruce and, and Clay, are now actually in my group on Tuesdays. How fantastic. So basically my group won. How fantastic is that, right? And so we get a pizza party on a, on one of our small group nights, and I'm, I'm just so blessed of the Lord to do that, right, for me, and because he loves me so much. And so, no, seriously, uh, Clay and, and Bruce, we have like, uh, we have little gift cards for y'all, but let's give it up for the winning group, right? Uh, I'm sure they cheated too, but you know, they didn't own up to it. So uh, anyway, it's all good stuff. Hey, second thing, uh, how many of you know Lane and, and Cy Bagwell? Y'all know them? They're right here. Raise your hands really like this wave. They're over here on my left, your right, okay? Uh, yeah, Cy and, and Lane, actually, I, I always call them lie and sane. It just kind of happens. I don't know what happens in that, right? But Cy but and Lane, uh, they... Um, yeah, they've been a part of Vintage now for, I mean, almost from the beginning, right? Uh, and, and the moment they stepped in, they were, if you know you've been around them, they have, have grafted in to the life of Vintage. I mean, when you think of Vintage, many of you think of this couple, right? And the ways that they've served, the way that they've loved well, the way they've prayed for many of you, they've just been a huge part of, uh, of who we are. And uh, two years ago, Sai uh, went with me to India. This past year, Lane went with me to India, part of this team that we were a part of. And and, and most of you know, because I talked about it a couple months ago, that they, at, they are getting ready to leave to go to India full time as missionaries, right? And, and we're, it's like that bittersweet, we're excited for them, but we're not excited necessarily for us, unless we know we're going to get to go visit that type of stuff. And so they are, their last Sunday is actually this coming Sunday, October 20th. And so I want to want first, I want to encourage you to come and to be here next week. We're going to pray for them. We're going to, we're going to send them out well. We're going to love on them, all that kind of stuff. But the second thing, and this is just me as their pastor kind of letting you know, they are, they are still short on their finances, okay? They're leaving October 20th and they're going to a, 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 a training school that we're, basically their sending agency is, uh, making them go to. It's going to be a healthy thing, right? Uh, but so far, a lot of the money, like we did the, um, the event out at Rose Hall, uh, where we come and did basically a fundraiser for them. Basically, that money that, that we raised in that, which was a huge blessing. I know a lot of you came and you gave. It was fantastic. Most of that basically was the money they needed to prepare them to go. Some of it went towards actual cost and need, but really it was just all that. Because I don't know if you know, but when you have to like pick up and move to a whole other country, there's lots of costs involved in that. Like you thought about that before, right? And so what I'm at is just letting you know is this. 
We've, we've come alongside of them. We've blessed them. But I want to encourage you, if God is still speaking to many of you, and I hope that he is, he's speaking to you about, about coming alongside of them and supporting them, I simply want to go ahead and say, please do that. I want to encourage you to go ahead uh, and, and connect with them. You can give online. You can write checks to Wesleyan, the WFP in the line, put Lane and Cy or Cy and Lane, the memo line. You can talk to them all about that, connect with them after service. But we want, I want to encourage you, if you've, been, if you've been waiting to see how they're doing, the need is still there, so go ahead and give. Okay, Randall and I, have, we've come alongside of them monthly. Vintage is come, as a whole is coming alongside of them uh, monthly. And I want to encourage you, listen, we believe in what they're doing. We believe in the ministry with everything inside of us. We believe, in my opinion, the ministry they're connecting with is this cutting-edge ministry, in my opinion, across the world of what God is doing, of reimagining and rethinking missions. And so all that to say, again, you see I'm, I'm, I'm speaking a long time to make a point. I believe in what they're doing. And I'm asking that you would prayerfully consider coming alongside of them and giving a lot of money to them. Okay? So with that, there you go. Connect with them after service. Hey, the last thing, I, and I should have actually should have done the second, but um, how many of you are in a small group and so far enjoying it? Okay? Yeah, small groups have started this past week. And, yeah, I, they're, they're great. But here's the thing about small groups, and I think if you've ever been around church and been in a small group sometime in your life, you know, this tension can happen that um, – that you can get into a small group, and some of them can be awesome, like the best group in the history of the world. And some of them can be the exact opposite of that, right? They can be difficult. They can be trying. People in our groups can be difficult, and they can be trying. We have the, we have the over-talkers and the, and the ones who make things complicated and the ones who don't really stay on track, and you're just difficult. There's hardship, and there's like you're just a little frustrated, all this kind of stuff. And you find yourself in the middle of your group, and then you're frustrated, and so what I want to say is this, and when we launch small groups at Vintage, as, as it relates to Scott, you know, kind of being over, kind of actually being over discipleship, and then me, who's, you know, over this over Vintage, when we launch you out, it's not like we've pushed the ship off from shore and we wave goodbye and say, man, I hope that's a good trip. That's not our heart. Our heart is when you get into your group, if you're having difficulties, if you don't like your group leader, if you don't like the people in your group and you're just struggling, don't die a slow or even maybe a quick death in your group. If you're having struggles of any kinds, if you have frustrations, if you have issues, if there's anything going on for, that would be helpful for you to talk to someone about who will listen First, call Scott, because that's his primary thing, a small group. If you can't get a hold of him, then immediately call me, and I'd love to walk and talk through that kind of stuff with you, because you don't want you to feel alone in this, okay? If there are things you're wrestling with, things you want to talk about, whatever it may be, you find one of us. We'd love to talk to you about it and just help you uh, make this the best group experience possible, okay? Is that cool with you all? Is that good? Is that good? Thank you. All right. If you can say no, if you're like, that was awful, Steve, right? Whatever. All right, so let's dive in. We are in, um, we've begun our, this small group series, this, this series that we're coming into called Gods at War. Gods at War. When we talk about gods, we're talking about that there is one God, big G, right? Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, Trinity, three in one, okay? And the idea we've been, we've been talking about is this truth and reality that, that, that God is Lord over our life. 
right? God is the Lord. He's, he's supposed to, we have this, this throne in a sense in the, in the middle of our lives that he's supposed to sit on, that he's supposed to have, he's supposed to be most, most powerful, most preeminent, have authority in, in our lives. But that there are other gods, little g's, right? Little gods that, that are, that are clamoring for our affection, clamoring for our attention, clamoring to be number one in our lives. And unfortunately, we said last week that we, all of us, all of us are prone, are prone to, to give ourselves to other gods or to idols, to give ourselves to other things to find our passion, to, to, the, that are passions of our heart that, that bring fulfillment, right, in our lives. And, and that there are lots of things clamoring then for our attention and that, that God, is, God, God is a jealous God. He's a jealous lover. He won't have anything else that will stand in that place. He said, when another lover comes in, it's either, you, it's either that lover or me. Right? Either hot or you're cold. I'm not going to stand for you to be lukewarm. You can't have me and all and other things. Right? So we didn't talk about that last week, this nature of our hearts that we're prone to this and all this kind of jazz. And so so this idea then that God wants to move us then to be a people who not just name our idols, right? Because this past week I was in our small group and 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 we went deep and we went deep fast and people are naming their issues, right? They're naming their stuff, they're naming their idols, they're naming the things in their life. We went deep. I was like, man, this is this is fantastic. I mean, just 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 loving the moment, everyone sharing, everyone being sympathetic, everyone listening, right? How do you know the, the best people in your group are those who listen, not who speak, right? They're listening well, loving well, that's what groups are all about, right? And so we're sitting in the moment and there's loving well. And then it kind of struck me towards the end, you know, it's like you know, it's great to, to name this stuff, but that can't be enough, can it? You can't just go, hey, yeah, I'm a sinner. Okay, <laughs> all right, good job, right? You can't just sit there and go name the issues, right? You can't just go and name the stuff. You actually have to, to dive deep into whatever's causing that, right? And you deal with that. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Let's begin with a story slash parable. So a person buys a, a home. And as they walk into the home, they, they, when, they buy, when they're buying the house, they recognize the house is great. It's perfect. There's like this crack, a couple of cracks in the wall. And so they, as soon as I buy the house, I'm going to fix it. So sure enough, they buy the house, right? They, they call some people to come in. They come in. They like draw it. They put some you know, putty back over it, sand it back down. They paint it. They recognize some other cracks in the walls out the house. And so... They, they name that and, and, and they fix it and they get done like, yes, this is the house I envisioned when I, when I, when I bought it. Right. When I was walking through, that's not, I, I didn't see crack. I saw the, I saw this nice whole and complete wall. Right. So this person comes in. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. About two or three weeks later, they're walking through. They kind of do a double take and there's the crack. In fact, the crack now has several other cracks with it. And they're like, Oh my gosh, right? So they call somebody else to come in and say, hey, I got these fixed once, but they, they've returned. Can you, can you fix this? And the person walks around, looks at it, thinks about it for a moment, and they say this. They say, your real problem here isn't a crack that's in the wall. Your real problem is the foundation of your home. And until you address the foundation, the cracks, again, and again and again, will keep showing up. All of us understand this, don't we? 
we understand this just in theory that, that, that a house without a, without a strong and firm foundation is not a, a, is not a good house to live in. It can't, the, the foundation, if we're going to have a, a house that withstands time, is going to have to have a, be standing on a, a firm and sturdy foundation. We actually have people here at Vintage that this is what they do for a living. They literally, they pour foundation for homes. And listen, I've, and I'll go out and watch them and watch people who they, when they're pouring foundations, they are very meticulous and very intentional when they come out, right? They're making sure that the ground underneath, they do ground studies and they make sure the ground is good and that they're putting the foundation on. They come in and they, and they, 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 they flatten out the land and they come in and they put the, the, the concrete down and make sure it's flat and make sure it's sturdy and make sure it's dry before they start putting any weight on it. And then once that's done, then, then they begin to, to build the rest of the house. But because the idea is, listen, with a faulty foundation, you're in serious trouble. But the problem for, for us, and, and we think about the crack analogy, is that what the cracks are the things that were most visible, aren't they? Like you walk in, the, the cracks in the walls and the ceilings, everything, that's very, very visible. So you're thinking, oh, we've got to fix the cracks. Because those are the things that we're most aware of. And unfortunately, a lot of times, we're completely oblivious to and unaware of the faulty foundation that is actually causing the cracks in the first place. And so for us, for us, the reality for all of us is that there are cracks in our own lives, aren't there? They're the, these very visible things that are kind of cracks in our life. We have anger, we have worry, we have fear, we have selfishness, we have depression, we have lust, etc. Things that we usually may name as sin or, or some area of brokenness. And last week I, I asked you to consider this question, this idea. What if every sin that you are struggling with, every discouragement you are dealing with, even the lack of purpose or calling you're living with, is because of idolatry, because something has placed itself in, the, in this, 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 this throne of your life, this place of importance in your life, right? This place of preeminence and authority in your life. It's, it's come there, and all of a sudden, and it's there now, it's creating all these cracks, and the cracks are very visible, aren't they? And so what do you do? Well, you do something we call sin management, we're trying to manage our sin out here, all the cracks in our lives. Like, well, I've got to stop doing this. We're like Paul says, he says, he says, he says I do the things I don't want to do, the things I, I don't want to do. Those are the things that I do. Oh, what a wretched man I am. Who will save me from this life of sin? We live in this place of like, yeah, I may go a couple of, couple of days, a couple of weeks, even three or four weeks, right? And this issue, the crack isn't so present, but one day I come in, boom, the crack is present. And I'm like, oh my gosh, where did this come from? And so we start sin management all over again. Managing sin rather than actually dealing with the issue that's causing it, right? Trying to patch over the crack without actually dealing with the foundation that will continually again and again and again produce the same thing. Scripturally speaking, the Bible would teach that if we're going to deal with cracks in our lives, the real issue we need to deal with first is the foundation. And let me say this for you. The foundation in our lives, listen, the foundation in our lives, it's our hearts. The foundation of your life is your heart. And let me say this, when I talk about heart, I'm not talking about this pumping organ right here, right? This pumping blood in and out all, all day long. 
I'm talking about what the Hebrews, the Old Testament, New Testament, would have understood the heart to be. In fact, when you read the word heart in Scripture, about 90% of the time, this is what it's talking about, not this, but it involves this. It involves the center of something. Biblically speaking, the heart is the center of something, right? You've heard the phrase, it's the heart of the issue, right? Or the heart of the matter. Talk about the center point, the most, the, the most important concept, the most important part of something, right? And so it's the, it's the heart, the center place of our lives. So whether humans or objects, the term for the Hebrews was applied to the whole range of internal and central things in humans. And so the Hebrew thought would have been the whole, listen, the whole being and personality, the whole being and our personalities with all of our physical traits, all of our intellectual traits and all our psychological attributes, right, would be considered to be our heart. So your mind, your will and your emotions and the, all the part of you, right, has its source in one place, your heart, Again, not the organ that's pumping, but your heart, the center place of who you are. It's the source of everything, the decisions that you make, the direction that you go, your mind, your will, your emotions, and all of these, all these pieces, right? Your character, your personality, your will, and your mind, they're all modern terms, which we use today, that they would have used to just simply describe as the heart, and so, again, when we come into this idea of, of our heart, it's the governing center. Does that make sense? The governing center of your entire being. It's the core that makes and identifies who a person is. And so, right, we're getting this idea saying, listen, we have these cracks over here, but the foundation, the core of us, is the place that you begin I don't know about you, but I get really tired of trying to manage my cracks in my life, trying to manage my sin, trying to manage my shortcomings, trying to manage that list of do's and don'ts that I was told to do. And that list gets longer. I don't know about you, but my list gets longer every stinking day. And so what it get it was so this idea then of so instead of trying to manage all of this, let's manage the core. You know, it's like, I, I, you know, obviously being a fisherman, I mean, you may not know that, but I'm a big fisherman, and I'm always around these conservation acts of trying to clean up water, right? And so, like the Chattahoochee is a prime example. I mean, the, I mean you, start in, you start the Chattahoochee, the, the mouth of it, right there, the, like just north of Helen. I mean, you get down there, like I, I go down there sometimes and just drink the water when I was a kid. Don't ever do that, kids, right? But I did it. My parents thought me. They're idiots, right? I'm just kidding. They were wonderful, right? But I drank water. They didn't know I was doing it, okay? I drank the water. It was pure. It was clean. It was great. But, man, let me tell you something. I've also fished in Lake West Point. Anybody ever been to Lake West Point before? Listen, it's one of those lakes. I was talking to somebody, I think it was John Rock, he's a part here of Vintage. He's like, yeah, back in the day I used to water ski, back in the 80s, on Lake West Point. I go, you were an idiot. Because, man, it's like, you'd catch fish out of Lake West Point, and their bellies would be yellow and be sores all over their body, right? This is like the southern end of the Chattahoochee River, right? And so the idea is, like, there's so much pollution coming into Lake West Point that, that it was just nasty and dirty and gross, and you would never... Ever consider eating the fish out of it, literally sores on their belly. I mean, it's just nasty stuff, right? 
But people would try to come and like, hey, let's try to clean up like West Point. So they would spend a whole day and they would clean up all the trash and all the stuff that's there. And they're like, yay, we did it, right? Well, in the water was unbelievable pollution. Why? Well, they had tried to clean up the stuff and the cracks. They'd never dealt with the source of the river or the source of the pollution in Atlanta, just dumping chemicals into the Chattahoochee River. And so when we talk in our lives then this morning about idols and gods at war and sin management, all this type of stuff, what I want you to recognize is that God's desire is to begin one place, the foundation and core of who you are. He wants to work here, not as in like organ, that thing. He wants to deal with the heart, the core, the center of who you are, the source of everything that flows from you in life. And so it's important, yes, to name sin, to name idols, all that stuff is important. Why? Because it points to the source that you need to deal with in your heart. So if your Bibles, you can turn to Proverbs 4, 23. It's a real simple, short verse. I'll read it. It's kind of where we're going to land this morning. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says this, above all else, Guard your heart, for everything that you do flows from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, how many of you know Solomon wrote Proverbs, right? He had this choice one day, and God says, I'll give you what you want. What do you, tell me what you want. He says, I want wisdom. He says, because you didn't ask for money, wealth, or power, I'm going to give you what you ask. Here's this incredible gift of wisdom. So we had the wisdom writing of Proverbs unbelievable wisdom for our life. If you need wisdom in life, I encourage you, man, read the read Proverbs every day. Just beautiful, beautiful wisdom, right? And so he comes along and says, hey, here's some of the things I've learned during my lifetime and all of my failings and all of my miscues and all of this stuff. Here are some things that I've learned as wisdom, right, that I want you to know, son, children, whatever it may be, right? He's speaking to his family specifically, and now we get to read it today. And he comes in, he tells them all this stuff about do this and be aware of this and all this stuff. He just gives these great nuggets of wisdom. But he comes and he says, but above all else. Basically means in, in everything that I've said, here's the center. Here's the place that I want you to land. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to, I want to look at the nature of, of, of what defines our heart and what can we do, what can we do to, to as it says, guard our hearts this morning. So the first thing we want to do is we break down this verse this morning and say, above all else. I've already named it, right? In other words, make this this your greatest priority of everything I've said. As important as it is, don't forget this thing or this part, right? This is the center. This is the crux, right? Above all else. See, for us, we got to, tr- listen, we have to treat our heart like it's our most valuable asset, According to the American Heart Association, more than 80 million people have some sort of cardiovascular disease and have issues with their hearts, right? Probably every single one of us in here knows someone who has issues with their heart, and maybe you've been one of those people. I'll never forget. I don't know how exactly, how exactly how old I was. The years run together. I'll never forget the moment I get the phone call from my dad saying, hey, your grandmother's had a heart attack. You need to come to the hospital. 
And I was summer, I was probably early college, mid college, I can't remember exactly, but I just remember the moment of like, oh, my grandma's had a heart attack. I said, hey, is it bad? He said, well, it's a heart attack. It's not good, right? You probably need to go ahead and come down. So I head down, I get in the cop in the car, drive down from Athens, go down to the cab, I think it was the cab general, the uh, cab county, and walk into the room, right? There's my grandfather over here, and it's like he's as pale as a ghost, white as a sheet, right? And there's my grandmother ordering everyone around. So I figure she's doing okay, right? Do this and don't do that, da, 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 right? And it's like it was fantastic. But I walk in like, Grandma, she's like, Steve, I had this great moment, right? And so she stayed in the hospital for a, for a, for a period of time, and, and, uh, and they go home. Now, here's the thing about, I want you to know, my grandfather, I mean, he's a, I love my grandfather, but he was a hard man. You know what I mean when I say hard? Like, he, he, he was a hard man. Like, he loved my dad and, and my aunts, and, 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 but he never told them, right? And he would do things for them. There was no intimacy. There was no real, you know what I'm saying, affection in the family at all. It was just kind of a, that old school, that old school dad, right? You know, I'm getting that, right? And my great-grandfather, now he, man, he used to literally, when they, when he, this is a funny story, right? I don't know why I'm telling you this, but he had a mule, right? He had a mule. So he traded his mule out for a Ford truck. And his Ford truck couldn't pull it, so he started whipping it. I don't know why he did that, right? He's whipping his Ford truck. Come on, right? Whipping it and hitting it and kind of stuff. Who does that thing, right? So it's a hard, it's a hard man, hard man. And here's my grand, so my grandfather. But here's what happened. They go home, and he changes. He changes overnight. My grandfather had, listen, my grandmother didn't, I, I, he made breakfast for me one time while I was staying at their house. And my grandmother walked out and said, I didn't know he knew how to turn the stove on, literally. He had never cooked her dinner in their entire marriage, right? All of a sudden, every morning, he's waking up early and making her coffee and making her breakfast. Every morning, he's making sure her meds are lined up, right, because for for, of her heart. Every, every morning, he's taking care of her. He's showing affection. He's putting his arm around her. He's loving her. He's making phone calls. He's doing all sorts of stuff that he's never done before. And he's, she's looking at him going, who is this man in my house? It is for sure not my husband, right? And never forget when I actually did his funeral a couple years ago. Now, I, 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 my grandmother was sitting there, and I just said to her, her like so i remember the day that you had your heart attack and i and this how grandpa literally changed overnight she's like yeah just kind of nodding her head because because here's what happens above all else she had like it's this like awakening moment this a realization of the importance of her heart that if her heart doesn't if it goes out again i won't have her and all of a sudden, his entire life changed because reality shifted because of the importance of her heart. And so what the writer here is saying is saying, listen, you have to have this moment of awakening that above all else, above all else, the source of your being, the source of, of everything, your heart, the, the center of your life, right, above all else, it's important that you take care of it, that you're aware of it. So above all else... Guard your heart, right? This word guard means to diligently protect against the enemy. Guard your heart, guard, to diligently protect against an enemy. If I tell you to guard something, you're going to assume an enemy. If I tell you, you know, hey, go guard the door and don't let anybody in, then you're like, oh, somebody's coming. What's going on here? You're assuming someone's trying to get in that should not be let in, right? And so the, the, this writer's saying, listen, guard, be diligent. There's an enemy that's moving against you. He's coming. He sees your heart. He sees Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God, Trinity living on your heart. He's trying to come in and take him off and be in that place. 
guard your heart. Guard your source. Guard the center of every part of your being and allow nothing else to land there. Nothing else. When you are defending, your guard is up. You aren't passive. You are proactive. Listen. Idols, hear this, everyone. Idols take residence in your heart because you let them. They don't beat Jesus up and kick him out. You, by your either passivity or by your lifestyle, literally let them in. Can I just freak you out for a second? I'm about to go real spiritual. I didn't do this at the 9 o'clock service, so this is for somebody. You know, Jesus' greatest... Jesus' greatest miracle in all of Scripture was casting demons out of people. Then again and again and again. You know why? Because of their passivity, they'd allow idols to take root in their heart. I have prayed for and seen many demons cast out of people as I've prayed for them, shaking and doing crazy things you read about in Scripture because idols had taken residence in their heart. When you go and watch those exorcism movies, that kind of stuff, I've seen all of that legit, real, in my face. I've had a, had a woman in my office speaking in a man's voice saying, I want to kill you. I was like, awesome, good times. We're going to deal with that, right? I'd say that to you because... I've experienced the reality of people allowing idols to take root in their hearts because of passivity or because of really bad choices. When we talk about idols, it's not just some theoretical thing. It's a real enemy that you have to guard against in your life. It may not be where you have a man's voice speaking out of you or a female voice, men speaking out of you, nothing like that, right? But it's something that attaches to your heart and takes the place of Jesus. And all of a sudden what happens is pollution begins to run out of your life. See, that's the story. That's the picture here, number three. Everything flows from it. Everything flows from it. From the source, right? Everything flows from it. Your heart beats 100,000 times and pumps 2,000 gallons of blood every day, right? Everything flows through the heart. Everything flows through. That's why you protect. That's why you work out. That's why you eat low-fat foods. why you eat organic crap, whatever it is. Like, you just eat the stuff, right? You do, this, you do, you do the right thing to take care of yourself. Because your, your heart, you have to guard it. But the spiritual truth is exactly the same. We, we guard the physical, but we also must guard with diligence and proactivity the heart that belongs to Jesus because gods are at war trying to get in and take root and overtake so pollution can come flowing outside of us. If the source is not pure, then what comes out of it will be impure. It's plain and simple as that. If your source is not pure, then impurities flow out of you. This is the picture we see in Proverbs 27, verse 19. The heart, excuse me, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Right? 
as water reflects the face, so I believe it's better, as the mirror reflects your face, so one's life, your life, your life, listen, your life reflects what's going on in the inside. This is Proverbs, wisdom. Listen. What is flowing out of you? Are you, do you, do you sing the song every day? I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Right, whoo, makes the lame to walk. Right, is that, is that what's flowing out of you? Can you sing that song about yourself? I mean, you were like, that's the cheesiest song ever, right? Yeah, it's like, I used to, never mind, I was going to say about, we need to sing that song, but inappropriate. Anyway, so it's like, this this thing, man, like you just, you just have this source. It's the center of your being. What flows from it? What flows to your neighbors and your friends and your family and your spouse? What flows to the people that you're around every day? The question is what God wins the war for your heart? What God wins the war for your heart? Let's talk about some very, very practical ways we can build up our defenses. And some of this stuff is going to be so practical, you're not going to listen to me, right? You're going to tune me out. Number one, accountability. Number one is accountability. And I, and I mean accountability, like you, you in your life, you're accountable to someone else who knows what's going on in your life. And I don't, when I say accountable, I don't mean you just sit down and say, hey, here, here's my cracks, here are the cracks in my life. No, you sit down with someone and you share your feelings, your thoughts, and your insecurities and the source of whatever the source is that's causing the impurities in your life. Listen, every Friday morning at 7.15, I sit here in this community room with three other guys, and I bear my soul, everything going on in my life. There's someone who knows the sin, because how many of you know pastors fall in churches because they don't have accountability, and they guard everything on the inside? And I said, by God, someone is going to know everything going on in my life, because I, by God, am not going to fail and fall by God's grace. I'm accountable. I'm sharing my stuff. My stuff. I'm sharing my insecurities and my failings and my just these struggles of my heart. I'm I'm sharing it. Why? Not so they can like tell me how bad I am, but so they can love me and pray for me and challenge me. Accountability. It's a practical way that we build up our defenses against the work of the enemy. Number two, how many of you know this one? You can just go ahead and write it down. Prayer. Cha-ching, you know that one, right? But listen, I'm not talking about that lame list of prayer where you start praying for everything. And God, I pray for Aunt Joan, and I pray for whatever, right? Just pray you be with her, and Jesus, I pray, whatever. Like, and I'm talking like, I'm talking about that type of, like having a relation, listen, a relationship with Jesus that births authentic conversation in an ongoing minute-by-minute way. Right? It just bursts this minute-by-minute relationship of conversation and this relationship with him that every day... It's like, listen, how many of you know it would be really hard to cheat on your spouse if they were with you 24-7? That everywhere you go, go to the bathroom, okay, I'll go with you. There we go, right? Every conversation, who are you talking to? Put it on speaker so I can hear what's going on, right? All that kind of stuff, right? That literally you're having that dynamic that they're literally with you at all times. And I'm saying... Prayer is this. It's not this list of things. You don't, you don't go to pray. You just have a prayer. 
It's a prayer life. Your life becomes your prayer. Every moment of every day, I'm processing with Jesus what's going on. I'm having a conversation with him, and he's talking to me saying, don't go this way, and don't go that way, and here's a choice to make, and he's, be still and know that I'm God, all this kind of stuff, right? He's this authentic, this authentic relationship with him. Smith Wigglesworth, man, he said it so, so well. He says, listen, he said this, I never pray more than five minutes at one time. How many of you can at least pray five minutes, right? I never pray more than five minutes at one time, but I never go five minutes without praying. Do you see, like, that's this beautiful picture he creates of this authentic relationship of ongoing conversation so that I'm with him at all times. Listen, some of you go, and some of you right now are going, Oh, I want, I want that. Like your heart longs for that. Like you're saying, I listen, here's a, here's a caveat. If you feel alone, it's because God allows it so that you'll look to him because only he can satisfy you. If you feel alone in life, it's because he allows it. Why? So that, he will, so that you will recognize that only he can meet you, gratify, and satisfy you. Man, feeling alone is a gift. It's a gift. All right. Number three, scripture meditation. All that really means is I learn it and I get it into me so I can understand it and so it can actually help my life. I can actually learn and listen, right? Here's the important thing. It's not just about, listen, here's an important little phrase right here. I like this. It's not just about what we guard our hearts from. It's also we open up our hearts too. How many of us live our life like sin management over here, trying to manage the cracks, and all we try to do is sit over here and say, "Well, don't do this, don't do that, da, 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 don't do this, and look, don't like, don't like all this stuff over here, right?" Of trying to of, of the guarding our hearts and and guarding our hearts, not doing stuff, rather saying, "Okay, but what am I opening myself up to in return?" Listen, Psalm 119.11, David prayed, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Listen, these phrases, these make sense. Never use scripture to proof text something. Never use scripture to prove your point. Never use scripture to attack someone. You use scripture, right? You use scripture here. You've hidden the word in the heart that I might not sin against you to produce life in someone else. And as it, because it's already produced life in you. Right? We read for the purpose. Listen, Scripture talks about in, uh, I think in Acts or Rome, actually in Romans, about the, about Scripture washing us. And that's the picture as we read. It's like, it's as we're taking a shower and the Spirit of God, He's literally washing us with His words of truth. The fourth thing, practice, as in give yourself to practicing holy thinking. Practice holy thinking. Here's a question to consider. I want everyone to be really honest with yourselves in this. Right here, because you're going to go like this and immediately know the answer. You ready? Here's the question. What do you give your minds to every day? What do you give your mind to every day? What do you choose to think about? What does your imagination automatically leap to and you allow to stay there, right? What do you automatically give yourself to in the still moments? Like when you slow down, what do you give your thoughts to? What do you give your mind to? 
What do you give your mind to? Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, you know this verse, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, give your mind to these things. Think about such things. Listen, just try it. It can't hurt anything, can it? For one week, I want you just to practice putting away the things that are like maybe questionable in your life that aren't producing life. Like this week, I'm choosing not to read about Georgia football. They lost, right? That's a great choice, right? No, seriously. What are your passions? What are the things that you automate your go-tos? What if you stopped thinking about them for a week and just thought about Jesus? Again, it's not that they're impure or unholy, but the things that you automate give your mind to. What if you just practice setting those things aside and meditating on Scripture, talking to Jesus, and it's going to feel awkward probably. But press through the... Listen... How many guys and girls, how many of you, it was really kind of awkward the first time you got you met with your spouse and got to know them? And it's like an awkward, like, and you left going, oh, my gosh, I'm the biggest dork, right? It was just awkward. But what happened? You press through. You press through the fear. You press through that what? You press through the awkwardness till it got comfortable because that relationship was so important to you. Press through the awkwardness with Jesus to actually have an authentic life-on-life, daily, intimate relationship with him to the point that you would never cheat on him or let someone else get on his place because it's his heart and you've given it to him. This is what we're talking about. The goal of our life is to allow God to fix our foundation by focusing on on guarding our hearts Rather than behavior modification, right, sin management, which is filling the cracks, and it would keep coming back. Sin is birth of an impurity of our center of our being, our hearts. And God is saying, listen, guard your hearts. Guard your hearts because everything flows from above all else. Everything else that you do, guard your heart because everything flows from it. Let's pray. Father, we worship you this morning. We thank you for your presence. And God, we, as we sit here in this moment, Lord, we recognize, Jesus, that, that we are really good at trying to manage sin, and we all know we're really bad at it. We praise you, God, that Paul's line is, who will, what a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this life of sin? He immediately said, thanks be to God. It's through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Father, this morning we, we, we sit in this moment and recognize, Jesus, it's about you. It's about you coming and washing us. It's you coming and cleansing us. It's you coming and doing this work. It's our hearts being affected by your intimacy and your nearness. Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us. God, is our prayer life. God, is to, to talk to you and to know you and to listen and to hear you, and to love others well, and to show grace, and to show mercy, and be about listening rather than speaking, God, and just about loving well. And that, God, our hearts, Lord, you would take those places, the center of our being, and that you'd remove impurities. And, God, so that purity can flow from us. Jesus, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.